Welcome, dirty peasants, to episode 58 of Wartwood Gazette, the Amphibia podcast. This week we're covering Amphibia Season 2, Episode 7, Scavenger Hunt and the Planner's Check-In. I'm your host, Thumbaticon, and joining me today we have... Impact. Yo, what's good, everybody? And Nick. What's up, y'all? Thanks, guys, for coming on tonight. So, after the finale, we we did Nick and I did another recording about like what happens next, kind of, and and then we took a week off, and then now we're back, and we're gonna cover the Utopia arc and the last few episodes of season two. News this week, or the past two weeks, a lot of like goodbyes and art as usual, as expected with these like the show ending. Uh, just like today, as we were recording, like right before we came on, like Matt posted a clip of uh, the core or Aldrich's voice actor. Um, forgot his name but William Houston I think that's the name yeah something, something like that like him just yeah. like recording a line from like the hardest thing about like the about being a god that was neat and also Matt posted uh, yesterday or the day before this recording uh the initial brainstorming for all in and it's a lot of neat stuff it has some uh it had some like images from a story artist Char to kind of like help visualize the episode, and like all their notes about like pretty much got included in the episode. Like they wanted to split the 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 fight or the episode into like three battles between like Planners versus Herons, Anne versus Andrews, Darcy versus Sasha, and they like kind of got all their ideas on the on this page like into the episode. Like Grime losing an arm. Uh, also the like the K-pop stuff and message from Leaf, like everything got in to the episode, which is great. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, like you can tell Matt is so enthusiastic, like just the way he like <laughs> the way it's written, like he like this, you know, Matt has like some when he talks like in interviews and stuff, like <laughs> you can tell there's a lot of enthusiasm when he's speaking, and like just from the writing, like even like some of the profanity and stuff, but, like, you can tell it's, like, he's hyped up to talk about it, so, like, you really feel that energy and, like, in the words here and just, and in the episode, because, I mean, All In is, like, woo! It's a great episode, <laughs> so you really felt the passion here. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think with that, we can we can get into the, in the, into the episode for today. Um, Starting off with Scavenger Hunt. So this was written by Todd McClintock, storyboards by Drew Applegate and uh, Nate Marr, and directed by Kyler Spears. So this episode seems to take like take place directly after Marcy at the Gates, and you know, we we kind of get to see, uh, like the planners and Marcy are at like some burger joint and we find out marcy's writing in her journal and i guess here we can like 
I didn't ask you guys about like initial thoughts of the episode, but just before we get started, <laughs> uh, my thoughts on this episode for Scavenger Hunt was like it was a really nice, light way to like introduce us to Newtopia, into Marcy, how Anne's reacting around Marcy. I think all that stuff is great. I think I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, Impact, what were your general thoughts on uh, Scavenger Hunt? So Scavenger Hunt, for me, like, honestly, is, like, one of my favorite episodes in Season 2. It's it's a very, like, because it's crazy, because Scavenger Hunt isn't really, like, a big-scale episode. It's very small-scale. But what I love about it so much, it's, like, it's going to be hard for me to explain, like, in general thoughts, but I love, like, Anne and Marcy's dynamic and relationship being developed a lot more here. I love what Marcy brings to the show as a whole and how that's expressed more here. Um, Newtopia is great. Um, and I think this episode, like, to me, just gets really uplifted with, like, season three involved. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I love Scavenger Hunt. I love coming back to this episode all the time. It's... It's one of my personal favorites in the, not even in the season, the whole show, honestly. Like, which is, again, weird, because it's not, like, a big family, like, country one. But I, I love this small-scale stuff in Newtopia. It's a nice in-between for, like, the rest of the show. And it sets up a lot of arcs that we're going to get through later. So, this episode's great. I love it. All right. Thank you, Impact. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on Scavenger Hunt? I everything Impact just said, pretty like I love this episode. It's it, it is absolutely one of my favorites from season two. Like I like I love all the awesome action, emotional shit from the Diddy, but I also just love how heartfelt it can get. And Scavenger Scavenger Hunt is absolutely one of those favorites. Uh, yeah, absolutely one of those episodes. I just you know I. Yeah, I, I, I watched this episode. It, it made me feel nostalgic over this time. We're like, <laughs> I mean, we all know this year is over. I mean, it, when all this drama and crap behind Marcy wasn't there, like, it was just the fun of seeing Marcy interact with the planters. Like, that was just so, so genuine and just really, I don't know, just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it into words perfectly, but just really, just, really sweet to have and i just i don't know i love this episode i love what it explores for Anne, and i agree with impact like i feel like we're, we're probably thinking of the same thing here but yeah with season three in mind some of the things i had to say but and yeah this episode gets even better in hindsight i i love it like i love what it explores between marcy and Anne's relationship i love having marcy and Duck the planters i love exploring utopia i love everything about this episode like it it just yeah just absolutely one of my favorites from season two all right, thank you, Nick. So I think Pickle Pickle's gonna come on a few minutes. So when, once he comes on, I'll ask for his thoughts. But for for now, like on the episode itself, we uh, we, we opened up with like Marcy writing in her journal. And it's like I remember when we first saw this episode, we were all like, "Oh man, Disney, give us like a copy of Marcy's journal. That'd be great." And now we're getting it, which is like super exciting. Like just like like revisiting this episode before like 
Yeah, one of the few merch oh. we actually get for Amphibia, like as a whole. I mean, there's there's so much stuff in the show. I'd love to to have merch over, and like Disney's like, nah. <laughs> so I'm glad we get the Marty Journal though, because that thing is yeah. so it's gonna be so compact. So it's like, yeah. Matt's been telling us to pester Funko Pop for the the little toy things. Hey, pickle. So what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Scavenger Hunt? Uh, I didn't know, so I was gonna be coming on, so I didn't rewatch it recently. But from what I remember, <laughs> do you remember? I specifically I liked the way that it used this episode to basically set up and world build Utopia, as well as like introduce some locals, and like the the way uh, they use the scavenger hunt as like kind of basically a plot device um, allowed it to not feel like it was just like a, a nothing episode because this was important. Scavenger hunt it allowed us to meet the or it set up meeting the king and it also like got us used to Marcy. Like, of course, the last episode was the main Introduce Marcy episode, but this one continued to do it, and it also set up more about the relationship between Anne and Marcy. Yeah, thank you, Pickle. That was... I I like the point about how, like... Yeah, like, the scavenger hunt very conveniently helps us, like, travel across a bunch of places in uh, Newtopia and just see what the city's like. But, uh, yeah, like, Marcy's writing in her journal. We get that. <laughs> we get Polly. I just love Polly, like, consuming the burger. And she's, like, <laughs> deformed. <laughs> yeah, she looks so derpy. Yeah, and then we get, like, I, I hope we see those, like, sketches of, like, Anne, Anne, like, Walrus Anne and, like, sorry, what was it? Straw, like, a Strawless? Strawless? Yeah, straw, straw, wrist, walrus, straw, walrus. Yeah, I love the the fact they don't they don't know what a walrus is. So like, Spring's trying to be nice and get the joke, but <laughs> oh yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> like he's the only one who bursts out laughing here, and he's like, I don't get it. <laughs> he's trying to be a supportive friend, you know. But it's like, yeah. like he's just Trying to support Anne in any way, but at that point he just gave up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Paul Polly makes that comment about like, oh, oh wait, before Polly like comments about Marcy's like intelligence, like, like Hop Hop asks like. When 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 Marcy like brings up her journal, that's when like Hop Up asks Anne about the journal, and then Anne just does her like little joke thing, and then we kind of get we we see Polly bring up like oh if Marcy was with us like we'd be set for life and but the way she like said it where it's like oh if Marcy was with us instead of Anne and then that's when like we get to see Ooh, it. yeah ruthless yeah that was just ruthless Polly damn. <laughs> And like, Marcy drawing in a notebook also is like a cool little, a neat little foreshadowing. It's not super relevant ever in the story, but she ends up being a webcomic artist later, and she's Ooh. shown to be a really good artist here. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope we get to see those sketches like in the Marcy journal, but like she drew a uh, straw, like straw wrist walrus, like on one page. So like, imagine buying like a. 
like a 200 page book and just like one page is just like <laughs> just and straw as wallers <laughs> on it like <laughs> Yeah, that that that's gonna be that's gonna be a blast to actually like hold. Yeah. But I think like one thing, uh, just change it a little bit. Like Hop Pop's freaking comment on like you don't like think those thoughts, don't say them. Like goddamn Hop Pop, yeah, like, <laughs> like the fact that you correct her, like you you didn't correct me. Wasn't like Polly. That's terrible of you to say. No, you're just like Polly. Just. Don't say it out loud, like it's okay. Oh, that's, that's awful. That's awful. Yeah, like I thought, like it's funny, but I'm like, dang, the planters just yeah. destroyed Anne. Like, God. Yeah. <laughs> like the planters have like a habit of like unintentionally like delivering roasts hotter than like Darcy's scythe, like. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like remember remember the dinner like damn like they did not hold back and that was like someone they didn't trust like this is Anne, like Anne's like a part of the family and they're like just like ripping her apart yeah and it's not even like they're in like they're like being like forceful about it but like <laughs> like god damn it's like a subtle roast but like it still hurts like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, then we then we get like they get like an arrow hits like near like strikes someplace nearby, and then like Hop Hop freaks out, <laughs> and then that's when we find out like the king has like sent a letter to Marcy via puzzles, and. uh I'm debating whether or not we should talk about Andrus now, or just wait until like the planners check in. But I feel like we can talk. I mean, we're 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 done with season three. Like we know Andrus exists, so it's like I, I think we'd be all right to talk about him now. Yeah, I was thinking like we can talk about how like in this this aspect of Andrus's character, how he how he like. Is very. He could have sent a simple message, but like, that's not how Andrus rolls, and this also happens to be something that Marcy like enjoys as well. So it's like, we get to see yeah. them like vibe. This is yeah. all the like games he set up with for her to make her feel like she was playing a fun RPG. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's, also it's like, just like their way of getting along. Yeah, and I think, like, it's also, like, I've, like, because Andreas and Leaf also kind of did something similar, right, with, like, the letters and stuff, and, like, only he can read them with his glasses, so, like, Andreas has always been a character who has, you know, wants to have a ton of fun, and I kind of, I kind of see, like, Andreas and, and Leaf's relationship being similar to Andreas and Marcy's. I think, Thumb, you mentioned that, like, I think it was last episode, something about that, so I think this kind of part of it kind of relates to that a little bit, so, yeah. Yeah, like, Andrus found someone, or I guess Andrus and Marcy found someone that, like, they could connect with, and, like, Andrus had somewhere he could feel, like, 
he could be like who was equal to him, but at the same time, like he could like kind of like be the guide that Anne was to Sprig. But yeah, I'll 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 probably get more into that like once we get to the sleepover episode. But yeah, like I yeah I really yeah it's nice puzzles. They both like puzzles, and this whole episode's a puzzle. It's great. Yeah, that's just absolutely one of my favorite details of the episode. Just like it's no, because they never explicitly mention like they never explicitly mention how inefficient it is to have someone run around the entire city just to solve a three-word puzzle. But I don't know. But like, but then you just think about how Andrews and Marcy work, and then you come to understand that yeah, this is just these two screwing around and having fun. Like they both know this is a very dumb way to send a message. But they love just solving puzzles, so I don't know. It's it's sweet, and it's also kind of tragic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andreas and Marcy's whole relationship is this balance between sweet and really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Marcy and Sprague set off to like complete this puzzle quest, and then right before that, Polly and Hop Hop get. Taken out of the rest of the episode with that, uh, that loyalty program. <laughs> but like, it's understandable because like they'll get their own. They'll they'll get to spend time in, in Newtopia later on with their own episodes. But yeah, like back to Sprig, Marcy, and Anne. They're. I love how, like, you know, you have Anne not marveling at the sight of Newtopia, and then, like, Sprig immediately. We know Sprig. Like, Sprig kind of. When it comes to, like. When it comes to a lot of stuff, Sprig is kind of, like. Has his focus, like, scattered. He, he's, like, a little bit of scatterbrain. But then when it comes to, like, friendship, when it comes to Anne, like, this dude is, like, on point. Like... Anne's <laughs> <laughs> a genius. Yeah. <laughs> it comes to that, anyway. Yeah, like, he immediately knows Anne, something's off with Anne, and then Anne, like, confides to him about, like, feeling feeling dumb. And... Yeah, that's when he suggests, like, bringing up the puzzles. And... Like, if Anne solves yeah, a p- puzzle, she'll be smart. And Yeah, I think, like, the thing that really gets me out of this, I'll talk about this insecurity in a little bit, how it connects to season three. But one of the things I love, because this, this is the point in the arc for Anne where, like, she has this insecurity because last season, right, she kind of got away from Sasha's, like, toxic influence, right? But this season's cool because... Now she doesn't really know where she belongs. She's trying to find her identity. And, like, here, like, Anne is, like, having this insecurity because she doesn't really know what she's good at. She doesn't really know, like, who she is just yet. So she's always comparing herself to, like, Sasha or Marcy, who kind of figured themselves out already, who kind of already know what they're good at. So this is, like, a great point where, like, for Anne's character... 
in order to not have this insecurity of hers of like feeling dumb or feeling stupid, she has to realize, oh, I'm good at this. This is who I am. I'm more social. I have a better idea of talking to people. I get relationships more compared to like, but since she doesn't, what she does is she compares herself to Marcy all the time. So it kind of like makes her always feel like she's in that shadow and like, yeah. So this is like season two and trying to find her identity, figure out who she is. And like in order to overcome that security insecurity, she needs to figure that out. So what she's good at. So I love that part of the episode. It's like, it's such a good like middle point for her arc. Like, great. Thank you, Impact. And yeah, like um, she she tries to apply. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Nick. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna no, go to no, the no, ne- no, I was no, no I was gonna go to the next scene if you if you want to add something. On. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just want to say, yeah, that, that was an amazing way to look at her journey for season two. I feel like I've always sort of struggled to put into words, like, my idea of what her arc looks like in season two. Because honestly, all I can really just, I just keep on saying, like, yeah, this is where she really carves out a version of herself that she's proud of. Like, that, I feel like that was, like, as much as I could say. But yeah, just, like, I, I couldn't, I could only really bring up points about 2B into it. But yeah. You brought up a really good way to like add two A's, like focus on Anna to itself. No, I just thought it was a really great point. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Impact like heard what we said about like season one and three. He was like trying to like bridge oh. the gap for us. Like, <laughs> like, like no, no, I appreciate it though, because like, yeah, I, I, I needed to, yeah. I, I need to hear no, that because no. like, yeah. and now that we're going through season two more, like, hopefully, like. That'll help me like yeah. figure things out. But uh, yeah, we get to the first puzzle, and it's like a tree, and then like you know, and 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 and's trying. She she hug like she's like trying to listen to the tree and is hugging and she's just trying to do her best. And then that's when Marcy kind of steps in and just. Solves, yeah, she's, seconds. yeah, she's does it like solves the clue in five seconds, and yeah, it's like it's funny because like Marcy isn't like being dismissive of Anne. She's like, hmm, you know, maybe that would be a good idea. But like, how about we just do this instead? Like, she's not being like, even though okay, I kind of even put it made it sound sarcastic, but it's like she's not like dismissing Anne ever. So it's not like. I don't know. You can tell Marcy's just like, I love this stuff. Or like, she's already just really good at what she does. So she's just applying it. And in Anne's head, it kind of seems like Anne, Marcy is like, not one-upping her. It's just better than her. So I, I like that they made sure there's innocence in Marcy's character in that way. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, like Marcy never tries to like put down Anne in any instance in this episode which is nice yeah i mean darcy yes. does but the focus is really a, is is really about how marcy doesn't see anna's dumb and it's not about like marcy makes Anne feel bad about herself because she puts her down it's about how Anne kind of sees herself worse just by being around marcy and i think it's like an important distinction that like sometimes it is about your own self that's giving you the issues yeah, definitely. And uh 
yeah, Mar like Marcy immediately heads off to like the next clue. And then like the scene like some like right right before we go to the next scene, we get like a a coastal killer moth kitten stuck in like one of the coral I don't want to say tree, just like the coral. And then like Anne helps get this like cat down for like some little girl, a little newt. Little newt girl. <laughs> I'm so confused about whether I say like person or like amphibian, <laughs> but it's it's a it's a little newt girl. That kinda looks like Anne. Actually maybe I'm just like me I'm just reaching. But yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I just saw the black hair, and then just not black hair, the brown hair. I just re it reminded me of like young Anne. But yeah, you're right. There's no resemblance. But like, <laughs> and anyways, like Anne gets the kitten down. That the girl's like grateful for Anne, and then Anne just runs off. But we we know it comes back later. But I'm just bringing it up here. But I like the joke about how like Anne tells the the kid not to let it grow up. Like, yeah, oh yeah, right. Dude. Yeah, see, yeah, that, that was another one of the fun things with this arc. Like, he started, like, referencing earlier parts of this series. And like, that, like, that's a Domino 2 reference, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, this episode had a, and quite a few of it, right? Because didn't, didn't, um, yeah, didn't they mention the one puzzle? Yeah, the one puzzle they solved back in, like, what, Planter Shrub, right? That was the name of the episode? Yeah, I think they, they that mentioned it? that somewhere. I think maybe in the, beginning of the yeah, segment it was it was right before, yeah because I, I think it was when sprig convinced Anne to try and solve the puzzles on her own you mentioned that oh yeah i saw this back when we were trapped in that dungeon like it's i don't know like the Natopia arc it, it really started making you feel like i don't know this is about the episode but i decided i always wanted this out here quickly but like the Natopia arc really made you feel like you really got to this grand point of the series right that you just that you've went through so much of these characters and now we have so many adventures and, and little one-offs that we can reference and just, I don't know, have fun thinking about. And I feel like, yeah, they, they capture that pretending moment like this. And yeah, I, I love the art for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like, you, I solved that puzzle, that puzzle in the dungeon one time. That was, that was what, sort of what Aaron said. And I forgot to talk about, like, the Operation Dumb, like, prove I'm not a dum-dum. And she just immediately hits the sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also very, like, naming the Operation Prove I'm Not a Dum-Dum, just continuing to add to that. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the second clue, and it's, like, the wall of some building. Like, they get they just reach some building. And then, like, you know, Anne tries to solve this puzzle, and she doesn't know what to do. She just runs off to look for help, and she finds this, like, old lady named Doris. It's this old dude lady named Doris, and... I instead of, like... I guess while Anne gets kind of, like, distracted, like, talking to Doris, like... We get that funny moment with like Sprigwine to try out Marcy's crossbow. 
<laughs> Which we never we never got to see enough of Sprig and Marcy interacting. Like I think this is the only small moment, I guess. Yeah, like hmm. Damn. <laughs> yeah, wait, I mean yeah, like sleepover. Uh, sleepover and Vandal uh, sleepover uh, kind of stuff, right? Yeah, a little bit. It's not like I anything think... crazy with them, but they talk. They have a, have like an interaction. That's something that would be cool to get. Yeah, I'm actually trying to remember. I don't think they. I don't think we we got a small scene of them even like talking in sleepover. Like, I think they had like a dialogue we... exchange at least. I feel like they did, right? Yeah. Like, it'd be weird if they didn't. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Damn, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sprig and Marcy didn't interact with us, but I guess, like, I don't know. I, I guess they still made for you know these really small fun scenes. We could probably or figure really out. I, I mean, at least I, I hope we'll probably get a little bit more of what Marcy thinks of Sprig in the journal. Oh my God! Wait, remember how in the first temple, like Marcy didn't. She wasn't focused on like okay, okay, maybe she didn't know their names. Maybe she was just too maybe she was too <laughs> distracted, but like, oh my god, that would kill me if like if she's like misspelling like Spring and Polly's names every time. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny actually. Oh god. I, we did, okay. <laughs> Why? God. God, no. God. That'd be, like, and then like when we see her spelling their names correctly that's when we know it's like but after actually a lot of stuff happens before the first temple so maybe like you know what I'm, I'm getting too much into like book speculation but yeah I, I hope Sprig I hope Marcy knows their names but yeah we had the crossbow moment we cut back to Anne and Doris just like chatting. And oh, and, and right before that, Marcy kind of just like solves the puzzle puzzle by like matching up like the scratches on the wall with like the map of Newtopia and gets the second clue, which is me, the word me. Yeah, and then Anne and kind of completely forgot when like, when Sprig updates her and <laughs> yeah, and just gets more just like she gets more like upset and like has to tell Sprig to stop talking. <laughs> but yeah, I think like one thing that's a little interesting here because like I guess I didn't talk about this a little earlier, but it's just kind of like. Because Marcy's kind of leading the charge right now in terms of, like, the adventure quests. And I just kind of love that. Because eventually Marcy will be taking control of the story once we get the first temple. She's kind of leading the characters where to go, what temple we should go to. She's kind of, like, leading the story behind the scenes a little bit, influencing everything. So I just think that's really neat. Because, like, each girl has had, since we finished the show, each girl has kind of controlled the story. Right? Like... Marcy controls it in kind of a little bit of 2A, but mainly 2B after First Temple. Then Anne takes control of the story in 3A. And finally, after Redemption Arc, 
Sasha comes in and each of them kind of bring this unique like aspect to the table. When a girl shows up, it's like this huge momentous occasion. The entire show changes when they appear. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's like behind the scenes. It like clearly seems like Marcy Marcy is set up to like take control and like give the season a sense of direction. Yeah. I say yeah, more so man. behind the scenes like to like a little bit in like two B like in terms of like how she influences the story. I was mainly thinking like Third Temple and like True Colors, where like no one really knows what her plans are, but like <laughs> she's still kind of moving the story forward, which kind of screws everything else up there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. because she's she's naturally like she's she's she has like experience, not experience. Like she's researched everything, so she knows kind of what's going on more than the more than the other characters and more than the audience, so she's the one kind of, like, laying us... She's the one letting us in on what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's a really interesting... decision by the show to, like, frame it, like, to frame the series like that. Which is interesting. But yeah, they head over to the... Oh, go ahead, Nick. Oh, sorry about that. I, mean, I was just gonna say, like, ah, that, that's just, I feel like that's just another benefit of the city being pre planned. Like, they really just thought to themselves, like, how do we set up all these tiny pieces about Marcy? How do we build up this plot in the background while we have all this other stuff going on? Like, there's, like, it, it was only this well executed because they planned all this, and God, they did it well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they run to the final. They run to like the next location. They pass by Polly and Hop Hop, and Hop Hop's just like focused on those rewards while Polly's missing out. But yeah, like back to back to Marcy, Sasha, Marcy, Anne, and Sprig. Like you know, Sprig tries to get that, give that little bit more encouragement, but then they see the uh, they see the statue. Dedicated to Marcy for uh, redesigning their bridge. Yeah, like it's not. Sure, I'm not sure what else to add here. It's just like Marcy in Utopia is like considered one of their greatest minds, and uh, we even saw this. We saw the statue in the uh, the Marcy Takeover theme song, where like Andrus was the one who kind of presented it to her. And I think it's it was... something that it makes me wonder if, like, it makes me wonder, like, how Newtopia as a whole thinks about Marcy, because we never really get that information. We know, like, she's a high rank, you know what I mean? And Olivia respects her. We see that in Olivia and Yunan. But, like, I always wondered if, like, the rest of Utopia kind of saw her as a hero, you know what I mean? So, I assume Honestly. so by the statue. I mean, maybe, they, they maybe, maybe like, not, because I feel like Mark... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Pickle. They seem to, like, look up to her from what we've... I mean, they, like... From what we saw, we didn't see her interact that much, but she clearly had status, and in, like, the, the scenes on TakeOver, she, like... She had her little troop 
and all of that, and she saves things. But she like says it herself in the episode that she's not as much of a, a socializer as Anne is. Yeah. So if I were to met well, anything, it'd be more like a status than an actual like friend friendship type situation. Yeah, I was going to. I feel like I feel like she's not all that famous. Like I feel like they know there's someone running around, like sort of like improving the Toby. But I, I just knowing how Marcy went about her journey in Phibia, like. I mean, she made it herself. It was very shallow. Right? She never really got to know anybody because she was just there having fun on an adventure, right? her own isekai adventure. So, I don't know. I, I feel like she wouldn't really be the type to make these public relations, right? Like, it's, clearly she was highly regarded when it came to the royalty of Amphibia, like the high status of Amphibia, but when it came to the common people, like, because there's a clear separation between like that vendor guy in Lost in Utopia. You know, on the screen siege mode when he's hunting down Polly and Anne and like something like Olivia or something, right? Like there's a big difference between us. So I feel like Marcy wasn't well known by them. Like that, that's just, that's going to be my guess here. Like those statues were erected by like Andrew. Like, like that was his presence of Marcy because he really did appreciate like the benefits she brought to Utopia. So that's just my guess here based off of the middle of Marcy. I think they probably know of her, at least to an extent, just because she's, like, this alien running around in the city. Yeah. I don't even think about right. it like that. She is, I think. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, like, I feel like they know about Marcy. They at least know someone like Marcy exists, but, like, have they gotten the chance to meet her or know her? I feel, I feel, like, I feel like I wouldn't, like, believe in that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they'll yeah. know about Marcy because they won't like, like, will Marcy have ever gone to a public meeting? Ever, like, you know what I mean? Is, is, was there, I mean, like, any celebrations of Marcy there? I feel like Marcy would be too shy to do that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, like, with that too, like, it, I think it adds to Marcy's ending. It kind of, it's kind of sad because, like, in yeah. the hardest thing, she's like, She's like, man, I wish I got to know Olivia and Yuna better. Like, she didn't have, like, the only person she really had was yeah. Andreas. And it's like, yikes. I don't want to use the word wasted, but it kind of, like, the way she went about it, she didn't reap the same amount of benefits that Anna Sasha did. Like, she could she grew up as a person, but, like, yeah. the all-around experience, dude, she didn't, she didn't get that, like. God, that's like that's tragic. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like kind of does it to herself too. Like it's like yeah. she's she's trying to play this like isekai video gamey kind of adventure, and like she's she's clinging on to like those past relationships of like Anne and and Sasha that she's not really trying to like build those. Like she kind of is. She has one with Maddie, but even then, that's not like the craziest yeah. one. You know what I mean? It doesn't last that long. It's, it's kind of sad, man. Jesus. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like... Yeah, I think we'll probably come back to this conversation and, uh, oh. in, in, in the, uh, the, the Aquarium episode. I feel like that's when we'll like want to talk more about this, oh, too. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, but I guess for now, it's like, yeah, like those were all really great points about, like... Yeah, Marcy's role in Utopia, and the book will probably give us more info on that too. And then, it's also in terms in terms of like her, her her like title being Master Marcy. I know that's apparently the the title given to the royalty's son. I think. 
Oh, okay. I, I heard that somewhere. I have to look into it. I'll I can Google it. Okay, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, like for the episode itself, it's like, and Kai just wants to sit out for the for the last clue, and so that's when she meets like Gertie, the 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 newt who runs the uh her nacho stand, and and kind of saves her her trays, her nacho trays, and that's when they get a talk. And you know, it's really interesting. You know, and. And is kind of down on, like, is kind of feeling down, and you know, Gertie kind of brings up how, like, everyone in Utopia is a genius, and what that's like for her. And then Anne kind of like switches into her, like, kind of, and immediately like focuses more on Gertie and, and cheers and makes her feel better about herself, and. Even though, like, Anne kind of takes away, like, the wrong lesson, it was still nice to see her, like, talk, like, talk to Gertie about, like, we, like, we the audience kind of, like, like, Gertie doesn't, when, when Anne, like, talks about Gertie being, like, a, a successful businesswoman, like, we the audience can, like, understand Anne is probably, like, relating Gertie to, like, her mom in a way. Because like like running tie the tie the tie go and oh wow I never thought about that like you, I didn't you just think about that me, like, I never thought about that yeah that's good like I yeah I thought that yeah that's that was solid <laughs> like I'm sure I never thought about that but yeah I can see that connection and like don't I mean like yeah I mean I Anne's journey for amphibia that was very helpful towards her relationship with her mother like it's what Allowing them to see eye to eye eventually, so I can see that. I can see that point here, Tom. Like yet again, I don't know. Like this season three is really making this episode age better. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, like Anne took kind of took away the wrong lesson from her talk with Gurry, where how it's like, oh, if you like, just like, if you just like talk like you know what you're saying like people will think you're smart and that's when that's when Anne kind of like applies her like this business bullshittery speak <laughs> with the, <laughs> trying to solve the final clue <laughs> where she like she goes like I'm not gonna like talk about like the the tangent she goes on to get to like the sewer but like she does it they all end up in the sewer and that's when we that's when we meet the uh the laughing alligator, <laughs> and it just like, it was such a weird moment because, like, this is like probably like a Peter Pan reference, I believe. Like, is is that the laughing alligator? I don't. I'm not sure. I thought it was just random. <laughs> like, I was no. I was just thinking about like the alligator from like Princess and the Frog, and then like another Disney older Disney movie with the with the. With an alligator that's just like laughing or smiling all the time, like. But but that voice, I feel like it's Jim Cummings. And for those of you who don't know, like that's the voice of like Tigger, who who is was the voice of Tigger for like a really long time, and just that that laugh, kind of like sounds like Jim Cummings, like Tigger laugh. 
It kind of does. Yeah, I'm hearing it now. It's like, like yeah, and time. and also Jim Cummings is like he is like like he voices a character later on in the Newtopia arc. So maybe it's like, well, they had him in that maybe day. Additional voices. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, I should check the additional voices then. I'm on the wiki page. Let me see if he's credited. Yes, he's the dragonfly and the alligator. Hey. So, so the dragonfly, like in the, uh, in the map that Anne was like, kind of like imagining, making fun of him, making fun of her, and then uh, Troy Baker was like the opera singer and the waiter in the beginning of the episode. Also, uh, yeah. the the voice actress, like... the voice actress for Doris, is Tress uh, McNeil, and she is the voice of Daisy Duck. Wait! Oh my God! I can totally hear it now. Holy shit! Oh wow! Holy! Shit. I never realized that. Wow! But like, you can totally hear it. You can totally hear it. Yeah, like they, they they got. <laughs> I feel like they only they missed out on a. Uh, I for I can't, I can't say the voice act that voice actor, sorry the actor for Mickey's voice because like his last name's like Greek and you know, it's like really long and I think the first first name's Chris, and then I think Tony Alonzo is Donald Duck's voice actor. Like I think they didn't show up in the. It would have been nice if we got all like the Disney alumni, like classic yeah. Disney alumni, but yeah, that's just cool. Like Jim Cummings and Tris McNeil both in one episode. Like that's like t- taking advantage of the, the Disney ecosystem. Yeah. I would say the alligator itself is very fu- like <laughs> when I first saw this scene, like I just started laugh, like laughing, like just bursting out laughing just by the the voice and like the way Marcy doesn't like, like care that it's gonna eat eat them. She's so oblivious, like she just wants to share, like, oh, you know what this thing can do? It can eat a lot of trash and it can eat a lot of meat too. Like she's not piecing it together, and then Anne and Sprig have to like run out of there. It's great. Yeah, like they're like, immediately like horrified and just like grab her out. Yeah, because like again, Marcy seeing. A little bit of like Amphibia is like her little like video gamey isekai adventure. She she doesn't really think of herself as being not like you know she still knows she's in danger, but like she's not like super panicking like Anne and Sprig were. Where like season one they could get eaten by like anything. Like Marcy's time in Amphibia has been pretty less intense. So yeah. Yeah, may- maybe it was intense, but maybe she had, like, other people around helping her out, but we'll... Yeah, that's an interesting um, thing to think about. Uh... But yeah, they're trying to get, like, the sewer the sewer manhole open, and... Like, they're screaming, they're crying out for help, and that's when Gertie hears Anne, comes out to help her. At the same time, that the girl we met earlier with the cat and Doris over here, this too, they come over to help out. 
Yeah, then, like, Paul, like, Hop Hop's got his, like, Burger Boy suit of armor that, from the customer loyalty program, and him and, him and Polly overhear what's going on. <laughs> yeah, like, Polly just makes that comment, like, typical, when, like, <laughs> when Ann and Sprig are in trouble, but. I'm just rewatching the scene. Eventually, yeah, they pull everyone out. They're all fine, and... You know, like, Hop-Hop was the one at the end pulling everyone up again. It's like... Okay, yeah, this is just a, like, a kind of a tangent, but it's like, Hop-Hop, like, has been shown throughout the series to be, like, stronger than he looks, or stronger above his eight, like... I'm curious if his, his wrecker, his wrecker gains kept with him. For the rest of his life, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good question to ask. If is if the wrecker was always a costume for Hop Hop, or if that was what Hop Hop actually looked like in his prime? That's that's we got we gotta someone needs to ask Matt that. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, the episode ends off, like, the, the episode kind of wraps up with Anne kind of explaining herself and how she feels, like, insecure around Marcy. And then Marcy kind of gives the same, like, sa says the same thing back to Anne in terms of her ability to connect with people. And I, I know you guys kind of, like, went into depth about this, like, about this dynamic between them, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think, like... One thing I, I will say, though, that I, I'm not sure if this is, like, confirmed or anything. This is might just be my headcanon, but I'd like to think, like, one of the things we know we saw in, like, Hopping Mall, Anne mentions that Mrs. Boonshoy, her mom, kind of wanted her to study a lot more and, like, practice being better at school. And we kind of see that in, like, Fight at the Museum, right? We also see in Anne's Terminator, like, as soon as Anne kind of messes up, or makes a mistake, Anne's mom is, like, ready to just, like, yell at her like crazy, right? She's right on her as soon as she makes a mistake. I always kind of thought, like, maybe Anne's comparing herself to Marcy because of that. She got that insecurity from her mom, you know what I mean? Like, of Mrs. Boontroy kind of pressuring her to do better in school, but that's not really Anne's gift. She doesn't study like Marcy. She doesn't have that. She's, well, she becomes a paleontologist, so eventually she gets good. But, like, she doesn't have those same skills, and so, like, she's naturally going to compare herself to Marcy in that regard, so. But, oh, wait. Herpetologist. There we go. I don't know why I said. I don't even know what I said. But. I think you said Dr. Jan's uh, profession. Oh, well, oops. Yeah, not paleontologist, herpetologist. There we go. But yeah, I don't. I, that's how. That's what I think anyway. That might be headcanon, but like, it sounds like it makes sense. So I'm just gonna roll with it. So. Yeah. Thank you, Impact. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing to think about. Like, the Anne, like Anne's mom, and Marcy both kind of like feeding into this like the cycle of doubt for Anne. Yeah, and it's like. It's not like Mrs. B is trying to be like 
like mean to Anne. You know, she's just trying to think the best of her. But like, even like Mrs. Boutroy doesn't like wants Anne to be something different than what she, she is. Like in Anne's Terminator, we see like the pictures of Anne, like the she made like these like figures of Anne being a doctor or whatever, and like Anne's not gonna like do that because like it at her current like what she does in school and stuff, she's not gonna really be able to do that. But like I just like to think she pressured that onto her. I think that's an interesting little headcanon to have. And it makes sense once you connect it together. So yeah. Yeah, thanks, Impact. And Yeah, like luckily Anne is kind of the one who who does figure out the uh figure out the final puzzle where like the nachos like the final clue is is shaped like the nachos from Gertie's stand and that's when they like the Sprig finishes the nachos on his tray and we get that message bring me the planners and the episode ends with them like getting summoned by the king and like feeding that alligator <laughs> in the sewer and Yeah, we already talked about like Andreas like Andreas and puzzles and I want to talk about the message, but I feel like that's more relevant into the next episode. Yeah, I'll I'll save my thoughts on that for then. But Yeah, we I guess Final thoughts on this episode. I, I guess does anyone have anything else to add on uh, scavenger hunt before we go into final thoughts? Like any observations throughout the episode? Oh yeah, I just want to like go into this. Yeah, yeah, go into like you know Anne and March's outmending scene again. Just like sort of missing my chance, but I don't know. I mean, no, I I, I really love that scene. Like that's an easy to rewatch scene for me. I always go back to it every now and then because it's just like there's so much baggage with the relationship that I will say that it's just really sweet to see these two friends just talk out their problems and just, you know, become even and just get even closer to one another. And I just thought that was really sweet. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just looking back. It's exactly what we needed, you know, just because we, 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 last time we got something with the trio, like that was back in reunion. And it was like this, dramatic episode where Anne's friendship with Sasha fell apart, right? And like Marcy was like sort of like the anti Sasha at the time, right? She was like 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 the she was exactly what we needed from another human um coming onto the cast. And it was just really sweet. Like I feel like they, they really explored like the good parts of the relationship before all the dramatic stuff came itself. Yeah. I I thought this was great. I love the development they gave um, to their relationship, and yeah, I mean, it, it just feels really appropriate for what they try to explore in this arc. Because this is, but yeah, Utopia, the Utopia arc is a lot of things, and one of them is about Marcy and Anne sort of exploring the relationship without Sasha being there to command them around, right? And it's it's funny, it's funny how they like how they get over this hurdle that's affecting Anne without Sasha being there. Like, like imagine what Sasha would have would have done herself, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's great. It's a really great scene. It's one of my favorite scenes, these two, and like, God, 
I, I go back to it just every now and then because it, it's it's like pure candy sweetness. Like it's just so sweet. Yeah, I think like to add on to that too, like I think it's so important that yeah, like we have like these more positive, chill kind of relationship with Marcy and Anne compared to Sasha where they're like sword fighting to the death. You know? So like I also think it's great because this is sort of like Marcy is really cool because she's this character who like what's the word? Like she has this huge rise in season two where like she does all this amazing stuff in Utopia. She's really smart. She Anne and Marcy's relationship seems to be a lot better than Sasha's. We're kind of rising her up in season two but we're noticing like things that we wouldn't consider flaws like oh she has a hard time making relationships that's okay but then you know that's not necessarily a bad thing but it's like eventually 2b comes along and it's like then we start seeing the cracks in that armor a little bit but two ways kind of rising her up a bit more so yeah yeah and <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be interesting rewatching this this rise. But yeah. I, I guess Oh wait, oh oh wait. Sorry, I got one more thing. One more thing. Oh yeah, sure thing. Shout out to Sprig. Like I feel like I, I should have said this a while ago in the episode, but I don't know, just shout out to Sprig in this episode. Because like honestly, we have a lot of good spray moments here. Like the Sprig just constantly trying to I mean, because even when she made a shitty joke that no one laughed at, Sprig was there to support her. That is that's just so sweet. Like, he's just trying to support his big sister. Like, it's sprinkled around in this episode. Yeah, it, it just... I don't know. You Like, the best of Phoebe episodes are, are the ones where you can tell everyone got their time to shine, and everyone was just on spot. And, like, that's everyone here. And I got it. I, I love Scalvy Hunt. One of my favorites. All right. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Pick, Pickle, any, any final thoughts on uh, Scavenger Hunt? Okay, and uh, I guess I, I should have talked about this earlier, but you know, Marcy at the Gates kind of gave us like a little peek of Utopia, but like here we get like all these backgrounds and they're like all these magnificent backgrounds. Like it, it's such a different vibe. Like we're so used to like the like the jungle and the the swamps of Wartwood and just like the the landscapes of like Amphibia while we're traveling to Utopia, but like now we're like in this like I don't know how to describe it. Like we're we're in this like city, this old city and like it's like living with like nature's like kind of like thriving alongside the city itself. It's just all like all like really like visually like pleasing like coral structures and it's not too it's not too modern but it's not but it's like advanced enough to like to like let you know like that we're in like basically like the most like developed part of the world or of of this world. It kind of feels like Atlantis. That's the always vibe I got out of Utopia. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Natopia is just really beautiful. You see one of the, like, easily one of the best locations the crew's ever put together in Amphibia. Like, there's so much detail that works together here. Like, it's, you really do feel the ancientness of the city and the fact that there's history buried underneath it. Like, you, you, you can tell that it's there because, like, these, everywhere around you, they look like aged structures. And, like, along what you said, like, nature going around it. Yeah, that's true as well. Like, it really, tells you that this is a very ancient history this as its history and very ancient there's a very ancient history to this place that's been sort of buried underneath um what's currently here but yeah like I, all around yeah I, I you just gotta hand it off to the background you just gotta hand it off to the background it's like they're, they're amazing yeah and i, I think we can go into the planners check-in now and yeah, I think yeah, we'll we'll go into the next segment. And so the planners check in. This is written by Michelle Cavan, storyboards by Silver Paul and Elysia Rocha, and directed by Joe Johnson. So the beginning of the segment happens like immediately immediately after scavenger hunt and it's like it cuts immediately inside like the castle itself and the planners and marcy are like about to see king andrews they're a little bit nervous marcy tells them it's not a big deal olivia tells them it is a big deal we get more shots of like the interior of like the throne room and then we meet andrews and he's like, I guess I can keep going with this scene. Like, actually, yeah, I think we have to keep like we have to keep talking about the scene before like we start. Actually, we'll start with general thoughts first. Like, planners check in for me feels like. Two different episodes. Not two different episodes. It feels like two different, like, stories that were kind of, like, just happened to be together. And at the same time, I can't really, like, pin down why... I I'm guessing each these these two different stories, like, couldn't weren't enough, wouldn't have filled out an 11-minute episode without it feeling, like, dragged out. So they kind of, like, compressed these, like, two events into, like, one segment. I think it's fine. It just feels like an... It just feels like a... I don't want to say it's strange. It just feels like we had one scene where it's, like, all the Andrew stuff in the throne room, and then, like, everything with Sprig feels like a different segment. It feels like if this was like a 22 minute episode, like we would have like an A plot and a B plot. But like here, it's like we get like the beginning of a B plot. We, we get the beginning of it like an A plot. And then we get like the, the climax or like the, an entire B plot in an 11 minute episode. If that, if that makes sense. But I still enjoyed the segment like a lot. 
and I'll I'll probably go into more detail later. But I guess Nick, what, what were your thoughts on uh, the planners check in? Honestly, I mean, I agree with what you have to say. Like, this does feel like two different episodes thrown together. Like, I, I love both halves. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm sure I get, like, but I, like, review both halves when I do that stuff. Like, yeah, let me just say, let's start with Andrews. Um, perfect introduction to Andrews. This is, like, one of the most rewatchable scenes of Amphibia. Like, Jesus Christ, when we first got to him, instantly likable. Like, this is... Marcy and Andreas have like my favorite introduction character introduction. Like they're just the most solid. Like within the first minute, you love these two and you just want to see more of them. Like that was my mood of Andreas. And Polly, like, oh they, they, okay, I don't want to go into steps, but um yeah, I don't know, just amazing introduction all around. And my favorite part is how even so you could potentially classify him as a twist villain, this is still all genuine. Every word that he's putting out is genuine. He loves, he actually did enjoy having them. Like, that is all genuine. Um, planters, like the rest of Planters check in. Probably, I feel like there are like, Sprig has like a lot of scenes of them pulling in wacky shenanigans. And um, yeah, I don't know. I love this. <laughs> like, I still love this. Like, this is probably like my favorite montage. Like, again, a really rewatchable scene of them just going around, screwing around. Like, I, I, I love it. So, yeah, Planters check in. Like, even so, yeah, like we we don't get that much time of Andrews here. I don't know, like I don't know. The rest of the episode's still solid, so love it all around. All right, thank you, Nick. Are you guys able to hear me now? Yes, we can, Pickle. Yeah, we can hear you. What are yes. your what are Yay. what are your thoughts on the planners check in? Just like general thoughts. Honestly, I hadn't really noticed the divide between the the like beginning of the episode and the rest of it until you guys brought it up, but. Honestly, I think it worked fine. Because they do it at the beginning of the episode, it doesn't feel like we're spending the rest of the episode waiting for that. So it's not like it takes away from the rest of the episode. I think it's like, they gave it the time it needed, and they could have done some big Andreas introduction episode, but they just did that with Marcy, and they kind of nailed Andreas' introduction, so it worked fine. And then the, like, the, like, the the main portion of the episode with Sprig being, like, having his wacky shenanigans. I found it pretty fun. I think this is one of the only just solo Sprig episodes, basically. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, which also helped make it feel less like a, like it's like, oh no, they they did all of the beat of the episode in one small thing, but, you know, the, the actual, like, large amount of the episode I found really fun. Thank you, Pickle. And yeah, this was like a hilarious episode, but uh, we'll, we'll get more into that later, but like, Impact, what are your general thoughts on the planner's check-in? So planter's check-in for me is is pretty much what you guys said. When I when I first watched this episode, I was like, it felt weird. I'm like, huh, like it felt like we had like two different plots. I always like for me, when I think about like the first half planter's check-in, I just think of it as a part of scavenger hunt. Like I don't <laughs> I don't really think of it as its own separate episode, that beginning part. But yeah, like Andrews' introduction, I'll go more in detail on it, but it's it's a really great scene, like, just in general, because at first, you're like, we were kind of used to characters being, like, with Sasha, like, we saw her out the window in, like, season one, and, like, we were like, ah, she's definitely, like, uh, toxic friends, they're definitely evil, and then, like, (laughs) 
then you like season two has like been tricking us a lot where it's like ah marcy like she looked she was smiling the same way she's definitely evil no okay i guess she's not <laughs> well until well she's not still but like marcy at the gates kind of showed us oh she's good and then like with andreas it made me think like oh like they might be they might trick us again maybe he is good and then it swaps back but like i'm going a little bit on a tangent but like Andres's introduction was was great because it kind of tricks you tricked me multiple times anyway. But I'm always still a little suspicious. And then the rest of the episode is, uh, it's fun. It's fun. Like this is a solo spring episode, and it just kind of has that idea of just letting us explore Newtopia a bit more and enjoy it. Which let us say a lot of cartoons don't really allow you to do that. They kind of like jump to the next plot point or jump to the next plot point. It's really nice that Amphibia is one of those few shows that let us chill out, enjoy what we have before big things change. So I think this was great. And it's just, you know, solo spring episode, really fun. Spider Spring's still the best one, but this one's still a really good one too. So, yeah. All right. Thank you, Impact. And yeah, I think I like how you mentioned that the scene in Planet Check In kind of felt like. A continuation from scavenger hunt but it felt like this was like the final scene for scavenger hunt in a way like you know like maybe like scavenger hunt is like a i'm checking the time here maybe it's a like almost like a 15 minute episode and then uh appliers check-in is kind of a seven minute episode which isn't too far off from like from uh, Toe Tax and Prison Break. I think Toe Tax was like was thirteen minutes long. That's that's the longest, I guess, first segment, second segment episode they've they've had in the show. Yeah, because I think like Toe Toe Tax is thirteen is, minutes long. Yeah, and Core and the King is twelve minutes long. I don't know if it's thirteen or twelve. I know it's extended, but yeah. Hey, sorry, uh, what, what episode? What episode? The core and the king. It's because that episode's extended too, right? It's oh, like, yeah, yeah. isn't that episode like twelve or thirteen minutes? It's think, twelve yeah. minutes, but I think it's twelve. But but toe tax was thirteen was thirteen minutes long. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure. And then that means like you know prison... it's gonna get real when the intro isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we can go into like the the first scene of the plan of the plan check in where like we get the introduction of Andreas and I I guess we'll discuss everything up until Andreas greeting the planner. So I kind of the the message for Scavenger Hunt was bring me the planners and like. It's so interesting how. Okay, first we'll talk about the the peacekeeper of a thousand years because that led to a lot of discussion. It's like, okay, does that mean Andrus is a thousand years old? And then we all we like everyone did the math with like the kind of newt Andrus was, and like okay, like you carry you carry the one, you add a zero, you multiply by frog, and okay, like. Andrus's like real life inspiration, like real life knew it was inspired by 
applied in amphibia years would like live to a thousand years. It's like, okay, that that makes sense. And then the show was like, nah, he's a robot. <laughs> or a cyborg. But Oh yeah, I can't <laughs> I can't unsee that now. Like the entire like Yeah, he's all metal. Like he's <laughs> come back to the scene. He's all robotic. I can't even I can't Wait, like much... How much foreshadowing is there? Not a lot. Because I can't not, not, not at all, kind of. It's just that the peacekeeper for a thousand years, that means Andrus has been living for more than a thousand years. And just everyone's thinking, like, how long could he live like that? And I do remember there were some, like, fringe theories, like, that Andrus was, like, that had cybernetic parts. Like, whoever called that out, like, back in season two, like... Props to you. I always yeah, thought it was just going to be like a, like a, a thing about him being like an older species. He's bigger and he gets to live longer. Yeah, like I, I honestly, I thought it was either going to be it's natural to his species, or he's been gifted that of immortality by you know, like by what was in the basement. Like before we even knew it was the core, we thought it was some kind of like eldritch monster. I thought of that. Like I thought they gave him some kind of like. I don't, know, I don't know what I call it. I don't know. I was going to say Jews. I'm like, what do you mean by Jews? But, you know, some kind of, like, something. Something that will keep them alive for this long. Like, I, I figured it'd be that. But, I thought it's it was I don't know. Right? I thought I mean, it was yeah, like, true. something like... Oh, I, was I thought it was going to be like, some kind of special essence or something. Like, but him being a cyborg, thank God, that's still so chilling. Like, it, it, it really... Ugh. Like, it kind of tells you how much humanity is sort of lost. You know, along the way, I mean, oof. he literally lost himself over those thousands yeah. of years. Yeah, and uh, I thought like it was because I always thought when I finished season two, like because I think we all, a lot of the fandom, including me, thought with the parallels with like Anne and Andreas, like I thought like Andreas had like some point where he was connected to the stones, and like that have something to do with it. Like that was what I was thinking. Not obviously there, but like after True Colors, that's, that was my theory on that somehow. But then, you know, he was just a robot. Well, a cyborg. So, yeah. And I, I know during our Core in the King discussion, our, our friend uh, Princess Cthulhu, he, he brought up the fact that, like, Andrews had the title of Peacekeeper of a Thousand Years. And then now that we know, like, how, like, in in the eyes of the like of Andrus and his family, like that's probably like a title of shame because their whole empire was built on like invading other worlds. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Shoot. That's a really good point. Yeah, and Yeah, and then like the Andrews immediately, like, hugs the planner. Like, he just, like, grabs him in for, like, a bear hug in his beard. Like, and, like, knowing what we know now, it's so, like, there's something so, like, tragic about how, like, how much, like, Andrews, like, tried to forget Leaf. And then here he is, like, here he is, here, like, right now, like, embracing, like, 
the descendants of his like best yeah. friend. Yeah, literally, like they they made it's like her love in a way. <laughs> like, it, like I don't know, like it's like a love in a way made its way back to him. Like, God, he didn't open his heart to them. Like, he genuinely liked them. And, like, Imagine, imagine, like spending a thousand years being salty over it, and like being super close to reclaiming what you had, and then like gender swap, the the gender swap version of the person who betrayed you in the first place just walks into your castle. <laughs> oh man, it's just... oh, why did he do this? Like, now it just makes me sad thinking about everything. Like a thousand years of his life just wasted hating someone who you know because he he generally thought like. She hated him too, right? Like that she just threw everything away that they built up together. Like, and, and so he spent a thousand years of all that spite and hate built up inside of him. And just, ugh. As soon as he got the chance to unload that, he just threw that out at everyone he made a connection to. Everyone who, who reminded him of the same feelings he held for Leaf and Barrel. Like he just vomited all, all that over them. And that was true colors, basically. <laughs> that was Andrews and Chicago's and this is oh, I mean it has like, been it has been officially like brought up in the in the like panel in the, the gallery nucleus panel someone brought up was was Leaf did uh Marcy running away with the blocks remind Andreas of Leaf running away with the blocks. Yeah and, and Matt said yes that. and like Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and I, I guess like my when we got more of the Utopia arc, I kind of thought that maybe Anne just like knew that the like the planners were related to to the Pink Frog, which we we learned like I, I guess we can just say Leaf now, <laughs> but uh, because he was like he specified the planners and like I, I guess like knowing now it's like knowing now that he never knew like he never made the connection. It's just, it's just, yeah, like Nick said, it's like, it's just tragic. Yeah. But. But and, hey, and at this least is... it was fun as hell. At least it was a fun as hell scene. Like, it, it, it's really, really, really fucking fun. Yeah, and then we like, haven't even talked about. Keith David. Yeah, Keith David is like, like, when we found out, like, Keith David is like voicing a character in Phibia, we all knew, like, okay, like. <laughs> He's either voicing like the 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 father figure, like the the mentor, the the dude you don't want to f, like the dude you want to fuck with, and or just the villain. And then the answer fought, was all three. Yeah, it was all three. And I think I, I'm I'm basing these like different titles on like someone did like a analysis of like Keith David's roles. Like I can't find the video. I I can't find that video anymore. But it's like. These are like the, the these are the classic Keith David roles, and then like they all lead back to being like the 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 man of authority. But uh, yeah, that's certainly like King Andreas in the series, and it's just just great to have him in the show. Like and I think Matt mentioned that, like like gargoyles was like an inspiration to Matt growing up, and. Getting like Keith, da getting Goliath on his show was like super special to him. But to play the main villain, no less. Like, yeah. like 
it's not like a thing where Keith David shows up for like one, like a few scenes and that's it. Nah, man. Andreas is like a major main character throughout like season two and especially season three. Like he is extremely prominent. I mean, he has to be. He's the villain. <laughs> so like it's they use Keith David to the fullest and it's great. Yeah. So And we haven't even talked about like Andrews meeting Anne for the first time. <laughs> like that all like yeah. all, all those things were hilarious yeah. too, where it's like the thumbs up and and like giving him the fist bump. Yeah, it hits different now. Like just knowing how these two are supposed to be set up against each other, right? All the e- intrigue with that. Like it definitely hits different now. And I feel like you can say those parallels were honestly because like I even I remember I, I wrote something about Ange Anne and Andreas like way back I think right after True Colors there. Like I was already seeing the parallels back there. And like I feel like I mentioned I might have mentioned this scene, but like. And it's pretty, it's pretty like, um, laid out in Scavenger Hunt, just how easily Anne gets along with people, right? Like, making friends wherever she goes, right? Enjoys fun and stuff. Here, like, Andrew, it's almost automatically, the planters all warm up to him, right? Like, it's just right off the bat. Like, he's so inviting. And so you can already sort of see that. You can already sort of see how these two sort of mesh. You know, they're not mesh, but, you can, yeah, how these two sort of, like, parallel each other. It's, like, already right there. And I just, God. Knowing how these two end up for the rest of the series, like it just hits different, right? Like this, this is the beginning of their time together, and it's just wow. Like, like they go from this, I don't know, like you know, you guys, what I mean? They go from like being on friendly terms to a fight to the death. Like when you got to the scene for the first time, you ever expect them like that? Hell no. Like I was just like, oh, this is fucking cool. Like that was it. I was just like, oh, this is fucking cool. The king of Amphibia. I didn't think I didn't think they were gonna. Ha- I don't know. I, I just. I'm sorry, but like, it's amazing. I'm sorry. It, it's just amazing. Oh yeah, and it's like, oh, man, it's great because this whole this whole scene changes depending on like when you're watching the show, right? If like you watch this at the beginning, and personally for me, I didn't notice the and the um, um oh. Um, I was just going to mention, like... No, 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 f- finish your point, Impact. Finish it. Oh, okay, okay. I was just going to say, like, you notice, like, Andreas and Anne, like, I didn't see that connection, frankly. But, like, then we get the two colors, and it's like, ah, here we go. Okay. We got, like, a... a we definitely got, like, a... What's the word? Like, battling philosophies here going on with them. There's definitely parallels there. And, like, just this whole scene changes depending on when you're watching the show. like. Two colors, you hate this guy because you think he was faking it the whole time. Then you get to Olivia and you and Anne, you're like, was he faking it? He doesn't seem like he wasn't. Then you get to the core and the king, and it's like, every time you go back to this scene, every single time you rewatch it, it changes, and it's great. So, yeah. Andrews is just a really good complex villain. Yes. Yes, he <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, amazing. And even in this in this introduction episode, like they make sure that like every move he makes has like has an imp has a has weight behind it. Like jumping up, even just like putting his hand out for like the thumbs up, like creates that like gust of wind. <laughs> and and even like when Andrews talks, like they make sure his voice has like a 
I don't want to call it like an echo, but it's like there's like a bass behind his voice, basically, that like does not sound like any other characters in the room. I always thought that was just like I'm not sure if it's like an added effect. I'm pretty sure it's just Keith David's voice itself, right? That just has that presence to it, you know? No, what but I mean? even it has like, like a little. It feels like his room is like. It feels like the room, like the, like you know how if you're in in an empty room, like the sound kind of like travels. Like a lot of echo. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, it is an echo. Like like Andreas has that, uh, but like the other characters don't. I think the best way to describe it is booming. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Then. Yeah, Andrus brings up the music box and and brings up the fact that Hop Hop gave it to some contacts and you know it's like all that all the stuff is just like this was like a remi- this was a reminder for us or the audience about like the music box if I don't know in, in case we forgot about it but we didn't it's like. Oh, we have the music box. Oh, the gems are gray. Oh, Hop Pop, we gave it to Hop Pop. So it's like it's reminding the audience of like everything that's happened with the box so far in the, in in the series at least. This is also like properly calling out that the gems being gray is like a bit is a difference that's notable and should be like thought about. <laughs> yes. Oh my. I did anyone else feel like an idiot for not noticing that because I when I was watching this, I didn't notice it either, dude. I didn't notice. I was just like, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, oh, the gems, yeah, the gems. I didn't notice that the gems were supposed to be glowing. Nick, there was a music box. Nick, impact. Nick, wait, 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 wait. Like, oh, you know what? I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know. But, I, mean, I didn't. When I, was first watching, like, when I was first watching, like not now. Yeah. I was first watching. Yeah. I mean, even. I mean, we know this. We know this community has plenty of qualms over the colors of the gems on the music box. <laughs> like what? Like, mom, I, I, I didn't even like the clarity box. Though. I don't know what to tell you though. Like, I, I just was. I'm telling you though. You already know me. Listen, I'm not the biggest guy on more stuff. Like, I forgot that we got the true name of the box. <laughs> Until we got until like I rewatched season one, like I forgot that it, it went from being called the music box to the calamity box, right? I, I even forgot that detail before season two started. So I don't know about like, I, I was just here for like the planter family, dude. I was not paying attention to the Lord. Well, well, I was like, well, I, Nick, I don't, I don't think I can it. call you a true amphibia fan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not sorry, Nick. You're no longer welcome on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're kicking you off your own show. I, like, I, like, I, just, I don't know. I that was the word that bond, but like, I really, yeah, relate. I related so much of Anna in this scene. I was like, oh shit, there's supposed to be color. <laughs> I think this. <laughs> I, I think it's just for me. It was like I I didn't think about the fact they were gray, 
that was the thing I was like, oh yeah, they they are yeah. great. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, I never connected yeah. a dot together. Like, and then Andrew yeah. mentioned like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I just never thought about that. I don't know, because like the Calamity box, like, I don't know. It was only brought up, like, what, three times in season one? Like, I don't even <laughs> uh, But, Nick, I, I think, and Nick and Impact, I think this kind of just, like, I think this kind of reinforces, like, the point that the show needs to, like, explicitly call out certain elements of the series, or of the show. Because, yeah. like, when I, when I go on the subreddit, like, it's like you hear people like talking about this stuff all the time. Like every single like picking apart every single little detail. But then when I talk to like my nephews who kind of just like watch the show like casually, they're like, "Oh, what prophecy?" And I'm just like, "Oh, you know, like the thing in the the code in the book that showed up for one second." And they're like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah, I'm too deep into this fandom. <laughs> but... I mean, it's why, it's why Mother of Olms is important and people need to stop complaining about it. Yeah. Because not, not everyone's, like, super into this show. Yeah, like, the show needs yeah. to, like... <laughs> if the show didn't explain this stuff, like, then you'd have, like... The, the target audience just wouldn't... Like, half their target audience, like, the 6 to 11-year-olds, like, wouldn't know what's happening. And it's like... I'm, I'm glad... I'd rather have them, like, have a better... Like, a, have a better idea of the show now than, like, watching it, like, five years later and just realizing they missed all this stuff. Like... <laughs> and at, at least, like, it's it's better... At least the the main... The the more important parts of the show are like exact like are highlighted for like audiences like for like for children of all ages basically <laughs> like can can like hop into the story hop and and get with and like actually know what's going on so yeah it's good that the scene kind of like reminded us of like so many things like the gems the like hop pop like it's all yeah it's a it's a nice little bit of like exposition and you know andrews is kind of like bullshitting his way through <laughs> through this conversation where he's like oh we gotta we gotta figure out what this box does in our archives like it was still so crazy feeling to know that, like, even back then, he could have, if, if those rooms were just powered, he could have just solved the problems already. I don't know. It's just weird. Because back then, like, he made it very clear that he knew what to do with the box. He was just like, oh, well, I mean, these aren't glowing, so I don't know what I can do. Like, but still, I don't know. It was so weird because it's like, like, put, put, put yourselves back in the perspective of a season two selves, right? Like, before we even knew about the prophecy or like before we even knew that they had a greater purpose of being an amphibia, we really had no idea where their story was going to go, right? Well, we, we so, had the mural. Yeah, I don't know how we had the mural, but it's like, you know, what I mean? that mural wasn't even acknowledged until like the last three episodes or the last, I don't know, the last five episodes. Last five, maybe, five. yeah. Yeah, but like, 
Seriously, we had no idea where the story would really end up going because it was really just focused on like, you know, this on this found family, character-driven stories, and like the idea that all our problems could have been solved with a snap just right there. Like, I don't know, that just felt so weird to me. I was like, damn. It's like Andrews is a really important guy. And, and little did I know. <laughs> like, I didn't truly know the depths of his importance, but like, I don't know. I just, I just had to put that out there. Like, this scene just—it just hit me different when I saw it the first time. Yeah, we get, we get the like pretty, the pretty big hint that he knows a lot more about the, the like real lore side of Amphibia when he does the whole the pieces are falling into place thing. Yeah, like, he knows the picture, and then he like actually he shares some with the audience here. It's a bit of an like an exposition for us. Those like. Reminder the box exists. Reminder that Hot Pops not <laughs> not being honest about it, and also like a a very clear, hey, the gems need this done to them, sort of thing. Yeah, and then like while like while Marcy, oh Marcy makes that quick comment about like. Like, Anne tries to, like, ask Marcy what she can do to help, but, like, Anne, this isn't really Anne's expertise with, like, deciphering ruins and stuff, and... So, so Marcy's gonna take care of, like, the research stuff with Andreas, while Anne just kind of, like, oh. lets the planners and Anne, like, have fun within... have fun in Utopia. And, I, Pickle, you are gonna say something. I, I this is backtracking a little bit, but I just realized that Andreas uses the pink glasses to look at the photo, and you know at the time it's kind of played as a joke. Like he's this big king, and he's got these these like dorky little glasses. But it's also like he could be checking for messages from Leaf because Leaf had it, the box last, as, as far as he knows. But I think you, and it, I I don't think like the the invisible ink wouldn't work like that through a photo. Yeah, but he wouldn't know that. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, Andrews was all, like, Andrews was, like, clever, but, like, you know. He'll just, like, he'll just try stuff out, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he, oh, this was probably, like, the first time he saw the box after, like, a thousand years. Like, at least a photo of it. So imagine That'd thinking about how close he was. <laughs> imagine him yeah, thinking I know. about it. He was itching for that box. Like as soon as he like heard Anne had it, he was like, "Yo, yo, let me see, let me see." Like, and then he had, <laughs> she had the photo. It was like, "Oh, okay, well, yes, a photo." Ooh, like probably in his yeah. head, he's like, "Ah, okay, fine, whatever." <laughs> the photo. Just look at that. So, yeah. Yeah, and and Marcy mentioned. Uh, oh, Anne mentioned that Marcy is just going to do was going to figure out the research, just like the uh, group projects back home. You know, that's a yeah. That that's an interesting like line because like, I think Matt mentioned this how like when Anne gets back to Newtopia, right, or gets not back to meets Marcy, right. Anne is very much willing to be like, nah, Marcy, you got this. I'm just going to chill here and just, you do your thing, man. Like, she's very much wants someone to lead her. And so as soon as Marcy comes in, she's like, all right, you got this. 
but but like in season three, it's funny because like Anne is like actively doing research, right? Fight at the museum, great example of that. She's actively like on the computer trying to find a way home. She never would have did that here. I mean, literally, she doesn't. So I just think like it's a, it's a subtle thing, but I I like that. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and Andrews does another bait and switch with the uh, the royal credit card and. I feel like with I feel like that credit card scene is like the perfect like analogy for Andrews's character, where it's like you think there's something underneath there, and then for a brief moment there nothing is, but then it turns out yeah there is there was you 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 kind of got the idea <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, they get the world. Honestly- oh, go ahead, Nick. I'm just gonna, I don't know, there's like, like a little nitpick of mine, but I'm so super salty. They never abused that card. God damn. Like, unlimited funds, man. And Hop Hop, Hop Hop's stingy ass said no. What was wrong with him? Like, they could have brought back so many cool stuff to war, but then he said, no. I mean, he's brought back a stoop in the side. Like, I'm so pissed off about that. <laughs> like, like, we didn't even get to see him use it. What's wrong with this guy? Like, Hop Hop, come on. Unlimited funds. Forget to buy all the stuff. (laughs) God, like un, God, like unlimited funds. Unlimited funds, guys. Like Andrews would even get mad. Like if if they somehow charged up a huge amount, I don't even think he would care. He would say, "Oh, that that's fine. I'll just take it out of taxpayers." (laughs) Like I'll I'll sell take out of taxpayers. I don't know. I think he just wouldn't care. But whatever. I'm just pissed. I mean, there'd be there'd be no. Andrews probably thought, okay, by the time we're done here, there will be no institutions to pay back. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good point, though. Yeah. But yeah, we... Yeah, and, like, they get the card. Sprig is ready for some adventures. He's time to see Utopia, and then, like, it cuts to them immediately in the hotel suite. Everyone expect, except Sprig is like wrapped up in robes and just resting on the beds. And wait, thumb, is it okay if I can backtrack a little bit? Just one, like, yeah, go ahead. Little point. Okay, I just want to mention like one of the things, like you know, because we get to see Marcy and Andrew's relationship, but like it's a little bit like just something I like in the whole scene when Andrew's is like jumping up and down and like stomping on the floor is that like marcy never trips or falls or anything there she's always like on balance because she's used to it all the time and like andreas like you know he goes like it's sup right and then marcy does the thumbs up i like that it's a simple like it's not a lot but it lets you know okay they're familiar with each other they know each other they've been around each other for a while it's like not a lot of dialogue is done between them but like you know they know each other well. They get each other. So, I just thought that was neat. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like, Marcy's, like, used to Andrus's like, motion. And, like, Anne just met him, so she's, like, immediately, like, on the floor. Tripping. Yeah, tripping and falling. Like, she's not used to it. But Marcy's been here for, like, three months. She gets it. Yeah. And, like, back in the hotel, like... Yeah, Sprig wants to go out. Hop up doesn't let him. 
we get that line, the city will still be standing tomorrow, and... Is, is this like the- is this the Domino's the Alpha and Omega scene of the season? <laughs> yes, it- dude, there's- I'm telling you, this- like... Because the show is so pre-planned, there are just so many moments of teasing for us to be tortured by when we come back around. Like, you know that for a fact. That scene right there was just because they knew they were going to turn um, Utopia upside down by the end of the season. Like, the crew, they're master trolls. Yeah. And, uh... Everyone's asleep. Hop-Up told Sprague he can't leave the building, but... Sprague finds the loophole. How? He didn't say anything about, like, within the building. and <laughs> Clever little... And then he abuses being rich. Well, before that, we actually meet uh, <laughs> Bella the Bellhop, voiced by Christian Shaw, and you know that's <laughs> the vo- the voice of Mabel from Gravity Falls, as well as Louise from uh, Bob's Burgers. Uh, yeah, her role here, like, because I think most people are familiar with like. Christian Shaw's uh, performance on like Gravity Falls, so they're used to like the upbeat energy. But then here, it's very much uh, like reserved. So it's like this is definitely someone who's uh, just finished uh, <laughs> college and dead. <laughs> yeah. They got that millennial energy down. That's all I'm saying. They really, really, really challenged that millennial vibe into Bella. That's all I'm going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, yeah, she brings her stuff, and, you know, she asks for a tip, and then Sprig kind of. Because I, I guess Sprig's never, like, been to, like, a hotel before, so he just kind of he he misinterprets that as like an actual like a like a piece of advice tip. Yeah, you know, and that's when Bella brings up the uh, the Ferris the indoor Ferris wheel. Yeah, and then just Sprig immediately like just heads out. <laughs> like Sprig, I I don't know. He was just too chapped into like adventuring, and he just couldn't care at that point. Yeah, and, they, and then they, he like he winks at the Ferris wheel, and they, it's like that's like a like a reoccurring joke in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like Pickle said, it's like Sprig just says he's rich, and then everyone leaves him alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get that montage of him like just like going shopping. The shirt he gets in a at the store saying "Big Frog" is does that show up in a sleepover and all sleepovers, or is that a different shirt? I think it does. I'm pretty sure that's the shirt. Yeah, because it's like too big for him in that episode. I remember. I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay. Well, that's really neat detail. The haircut. <laughs> the haircut scene. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
we we get the uh, the Goku hair like Super Saiyan haircut and <laughs> yeah, Super Saiyan blue. Yeah, yeah. Then then he just immediately carves it up. <laughs> <laughs> and like the bar, the four barbers are like hours, probably hours of dedication to Sprig's hair, and then he just fucking <laughs> breaks down and starts crying. Like I love that. Yeah, because I don't even know how that worked. Like Sprig's hair is Sprigs not even big enough chaos. to. To reach, to reach that like length, so like that must have took a lot of work. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and then we we get the uh, like the I think it was the frappuccino or cap like whatever frog version this was of a cappuccino. Sprig takes a bunch, and then he becomes like a he becomes the Flash basically, and. What did you say? He's like, he's like, I'm the Time Lord now. <laughs> like, and we hear yeah. that really, yeah. <laughs> that that odd like EDM track, <laughs> while he's like going at like hyper speed. <laughs> and then what else? So we get the. Uh... Oh, we also get that that joke where it's like. That random old guy sees Sprig like I don't know what to call it, like Sprig like going in withdrawal. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna take whatever he's having, like Yeah, I think it's like a when Harry met Sally reference or something, right? Like the like I'll have what he's having. What's up, bro? <laughs> Oh, it's like this, um, like eighties movie called "When Harry Met Sally." It's like this. It, it, it's like a whole thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like a whole thing, but, um, yeah, no, but, no, I was okay. Okay, I mean, if I I should explain context, but I did. <laughs> it's definitely not appropriate for the podcast, but oh. yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it's just a joke. It's just, it's just a joke from the movie. Oh, okay, but yeah, like. After that montage, he kind of he's just like standing over a, like he's standing over a rail, and then you know he he drops he after all of this he drops the card and it falls on like a a light fixture on like another floor below him. And then he rush he rushes to the elevator, gets some meets some old people, and this is like this is like. One of the funniest parts. Like, I think I, I, like, I laughed out loud for this moment, <laughs> where he like has to like help the old people like go on each floor, and then he just eventually gets tired of this, and then like the, <laughs> like it just so like, with without warning, he just like throws himself out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just gave up. Like. <laughs> Like, he was willing to die. Uh, oh, I forgot to show you guys the uh, the uh, the thumbnail of this week's episode. I should have shown. Oh, it, I should have shown it at the beginning because, like that. <laughs> this is this is like I, I took the <laughs> the part where oh, Spring is like falling out the window, like completely like content. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. It's beautiful. It is. 
and then you know Sprig like tries to ca- he jumps off to try and catch it he misses it and then it cuts back to Bella on her lunch break eating bread and ice <laughs> like, like wow like <laughs> I don't know I just I feel so bad like and she has like a little lunch bag that's just like go from 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 her mom <laughs> That's supposed to be like a like an avocado like an avocado spread joke or something. What? I thought it was literally just like bread nice making fun of her for not having like enough money to have any for being poor. Oh. I mean, like she oh. got no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought. Yeah, it was just it was just like a poverty <laughs> joke. Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's brutal. How'd she keep that ice without without it melting? <laughs> It's even worse than bread and ice. The only thing worse than bread and ice is soggy bread. <laughs> yeah, then she, like she says uh, that the world taught her that magic's dead and miracles don't exist, and then you know the card falls right in her hand, and uh, you know Sprig just uh, casually like bringing up the importance. Of the card right in front of her while she's holding the card, it's like classic sprig move. And then you know this is my, my from a story standpoint, this was my favorite part of the episode where we find out that this is another this is one of the classic <laughs> Sp- sprig sprig becomes deranged because of an older woman <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an amphibia classic. <laughs> A new trope. What should we call it? Well, well Nick called it <laughs> insul spray. Insul spray. Like I just saw a pattern, man. Like it was weird. <laughs> for for, oh. for listeners who don't know, it's like the saga of a uh, sprig becoming deranged because of an older woman is starts off in cracking Mrs. Croker, goes into family fishing trip, then the planners check in, and then it it all it it builds up to the finale of Typhoon. <laughs> 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 God. Yeah, but yeah, they Bella and Sprig get into like a little chase. Uh, yeah. Eventually, the card ends up like on top of like one of these like uh, I don't know what to call like the 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 cabins of the Ferris of a Ferris wheel. They. They they race to get to the top, and you know, Sprig makes that joke like where, where he hops onto one of these like cabins of the Ferris wheel, and he's like, "Man, I I I'm glad I'm a frog." And then you know, Bella immediately swims up the the waterfall, and then Sprig complains about being a frog. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, that was a really funny joke. 
That gets me every time, I won't lie. It kind of reminds me of, like... So, it's such an easy joke. I don't know, it just gets to me. It kind of reminds me of, like, Breath of the Wild, where, like, when you have, like, that certain suit of armor, you can, like, swim up waterfalls. I don't know. Because, like, what was this, like, 2020? Yeah, because around this time, around the pandemic, I was, like, finishing up, like, parts of the game, like, the other, like, shrines. So, like, I had that in the back of my head, and then this episode happened. I guess that's why I kept that connection, but... Yeah, eventually they get to the top, they both grab the card, but then they both get to see that view of Newtopia, or specifically the castle. It's, it's a really nice shot. With like the lighting, yeah, no, and really that sunset, yeah, and also like they introduce the super weapon for later. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's, it's it was staring at us like from the castle just because it's like a giant design feature every time we see it. But they also like specifically like show it and really get it in our minds. So later when it becomes this weapon, it's like, oh, that's what that was there for. Yeah, because when we first saw that design, I was always thinking about that. What we found out now was like the, the trigger, for the actual for the actual like cannon. So like I I, I actually like brought up the like back when in season two like as a joke, like uh, Princess Cthulhu and I were just saying, oh, it's like the it's a death laser. That's what it's for. And then I I said all of Utopia was a all of uh, Amphibia was a spaceship. I I should have. Just said Newtopia, because that would have been accurate. <laughs> but yeah. Awesome. I, I, I just, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I finish. No, no, I'm done. My thought. Yeah, I was, I was just going to, like, I just wonder, like, you know, like, what, what was the, like, do you guys think they had, like, a, a point to show so much of the beauty and grace of the city if they were going to, like, you know what I mean? Like, like I guess part of it was to emphasize, I guess, like the sort of like the tragedy of it being ruined by the end of the season, right? But like, I don't know. I guess it's something for me to think about later. But I don't know. It's it's like they showed off so much of the beauty of the city, and like a thousand years ago, right? It was like the heart of like their like civilization. Colonial. Like, yeah. yeah, it was a heart, but like you know what I mean, like the heart of their like um, conquesting civilization, right? Like the, sort of the heart of that corrupted society. I don't know. I was just thinking, like, is there a re- like is there a reason why they show off like the beauty of it while having it also be like the truth of it at the same time? Like, is it is it supposed to make like just the like, sort of like the what like the juxtaposition even greater and different? Like, uh, honestly, I'm not sure. I get that. I think that and like, yeah, I think it's also just. The, the the creators are trying to soak in this environment as long as we can. But keep because keep in mind, after true colors, we never go inside the city walls of a utopia ever again. Like it's gone. We only go like the closest we get is a utopia castle, and that's it. Like this is like a very special point in the show where we get to enjoy utopia for what it is. So it's like I think the. I think Matt, because Matt's thinking this long term, he's like, you have to like soak it in while you can, kind of thing. So, not yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I think even if 
even even if Amphibia didn't get like not Amphibia, Newtopia didn't get wrecked by the end. Like they was they still would have shown like the beauty of Newtopia, but it's just like what happens at the end is just like a little bit of tragedy. <laughs> yeah. But Yeah, Bella kind of apologizes and lets Sprig take the card back and the Ferris wheel shifts and then she falls off and Sprig uses his last like Frappuccino to uh go into Time Lord mode and you know, like create like a little create like a giant pile of cushions for to soften the blow. She's fine. And you know, like they they part on good terms after like the manager tries to like fire Bella, but then you know Sprig goes into a uh, rich man, rich rich person mode and helps her keep her job and get a raise. And you know, Sprig 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 will be spared from the class war, but then I realize that he never paid off Bella's debt, so he's back on the list. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he never did, did he? Oh, aw. No, Bella. Wait, no. Remember, the whole system... Actually, nah, nah, Bella's fine. Like, remember, like, Amphibia, the whole governmental system got destroyed, so, hey. Hopefully, hopefully the records on her debt got erased. <laughs> like, fingers crossed. Hopefully she died during the invasion. Actually, mm, didn't we see her? Yeah, we saw her in the beginning of the end, right? Yeah, but like I think Pickle meant like yeah, after yeah, the invasion. <laughs> after the oh. after the battle. Okay, yeah, I don't think um, Bella probably died then. <laughs> well, at least we don't have to pay out the debt. <laughs> like, they escaped him somehow. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh... Yeah, the episode ends with like Spring exhausted after that night and just wants to crash in the room, but then at that moment Anne's alarm goes off and you know, all the rest of the planners wake up refreshed and ready to explore Utopia and the episode ends with just them bugging <laughs> Sprig. And you know I like the added touch yeah, of like a like hop offs poking, and it's kind of just like pushing him awake, and then Polly's just like punching him. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Like I, I just love how refreshed they look as soon as they wake up. Like it's, it's really funny. Yeah, I think it's like they actually had like quite a day. It seems like yeah, like I think the plant. So Marcy at the gates was like the entire day. Then the next day it was. Scavenger hunt and the planners check in. So we had like three episodes over the span of like two days. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, like the planners never. I mean, I guess they got the, they got the chance to rest before um, scavenger hunt, but yeah, they basically did spend the whole day running around pretty much. Like Sprig never gave himself a break. I mean, like yeah, because Sprig went from like. Running around the city, exploring it with on um, Marcy and Anne, to like getting trapped in the sewers and almost 
mauled by a huge gator to like then going on this huge adventure in, in this hotel. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. He had he had a very eventful day. <laughs> so, yeah, he was regretting not taking that um not taking that nap nap like everyone else. Yeah. And uh, I think we've covered like that's we've covered the episode. I guess is there anything? I, I think we can go into final thoughts now. Um, I, I guess starting with pickle. Any final thoughts on the players' check-in? In terms of the like exposition part, well done. Introduction to Andreas. I still love the shot where they like pan up to him all majestic and then he's like they do the whole bait and switch thing. And for the like goofy side of the episode, I think this this is this is like a good spring episode. This is a solid spring episode. And I think it's one of the few like just solo episodes where it's really only one character or one of the planters that gets any focus and all the rest of the like characters that are present are either one offs or just like barely show up. But it, like it does it well, and it's like it's just a fun, a fun episode and an important episode. So I like that. Thank you, Pickle. Uh, Impact. Final thoughts on the planters check in. Uh, planters check in. The first part of the episode is like really great. It's this kind of this scene that like changes every single time you watch the show, so it always ages well. Kind of like whenever. So that part with Andreas is fantastic. I love it. Um, the rest of the episode is really fun, too. It's like just this time to just chill out and to kind of explore Utopia a bit more and just have a solo spring episode. And that's fun. And one thing I will say is like, because you mentioned it, just like with the humor of the episode, sometimes I wish like, because I'm not like the most analytical guy in terms of like humor for the show. And I feel like sometimes I wish more people would analyze why Amphibia can be so funny. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a part of the fandom that doesn't get, like, people don't talk about enough. But yet, Amphibia is a comedy, and it has a lot of really great jokes. Like, so it's it's something I wish was, like, more talked about. But yeah, the Planters check-in is great. I really like this episode. That's it. Thank you, Impact. And a quick, like, quick thing about like the comedy of Amphibia. I, f- I feel like I I saw a video of someone made talked about, like, actually broke down oh, like, the humor of Amphibia. I, I don't remember the name. I think. Oh, it was... I gotta pull up. No, I gotta pull it up right here. Um, it, it was yeah. Shout out to Convergion Media and OMG, It's Kavi. So, yeah, oh, Kavi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I watched. I think I watched that, and then like I guess. That probably just triggered, like, instinctively, like, an idea in my brain of, like, more analysis to humor. But, like, yeah, it's, like, that video and, like, I feel like with Amphibia's history, it's, like, people are going to talk more about, like, like, more of the epic stuff. You know what I mean? Like, the stuff from True Colors or, like, the bigger stuff with, like, Olivia and Yunnan or, or Turning Point or All In or, you know, like, a lot of the bigger, like, larger story points of like the hero villain dynamics but the humor it's like something i don't feel like is appreciated just as much even though amphibia is really funny 
like like just in general it's a very funny show so but yeah yep so if you guys didn't hear it the first time it's uh Cur- curmudgeon media uh titled how amphibia does comedy and then omg it's covey uh how amphibia uses comedy to tell its story those are the two videos if you want to check them out uh so yeah thanks impact and uh nick final thoughts on the planners check in um i'm honestly just <laughs> like it, it, it it's funny how it's like basically two episodes in one and i'd say like you know both are just really great watches and like i don't know like, i i don't even say really beyond what we've already said here it's just yeah just another solid episode in the utopia arc and i feel like you know looking back i mean this might be one of the reasons why so many people you know look like genuinely call this like their favorite arc of the show and yeah i think episodes like these definitely help to earn, earn that spot all right thank you nick and yeah like i i really enjoyed this batch of episodes scavenger hunt and the first like three minutes of the planners checked in felt like one segment that i really that i really liked and the planners checked in like the last two thirds felt like the a bit of a breather even though scavenger hunt was kind of that as well i enjoyed both episodes for different reasons like i think like the, the planners checked in was just like a hilarious spring episode and that that elevator scene still cracks me up but yeah like that concludes this week's recording and next week we'll be covering lost in utopia and spring gets schooled so that's going to be a very fun a very fun batch of episodes with a little bit of (laughs) Pa'an and Pa'al, pa- uh, and Ollie. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. But with that, that's it for today. Say goodbye, everyone. See you guys. Everybody. See you guys. See ya.